now for the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. It's a Wednesday, and it is time for our Redbird Report with Brad Thompson, Danny Mack, our podcast on 101 ESPN. Hey, good morning, Brad. How are you? I am doing great, my man. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, I'd be better, though, if the Cardinals start to hit. And uh, that is of concern right now, the way that the Cardinals went about the at-bats last night. There's so much to get into, and we can do a deep dive on this. But generally speaking, right now, uh, the Cardinals' offense outside of Goldie, outside of Arenado, who, by the way, last couple of games has been quiet. Uh, Tommy Edmond had three strikeouts last night. Um, it's gone quiet, and that has to be of concern because last year this is when the team had that rough month of June, and you're thinking, what's going to happen with this team? It's got a little bit of that feeling of it right now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And quite simply, just not good enough. I mean, that's all there is to it. You mentioned the guys that are getting it done. But there are far too many that are not getting it done at this point, you know. So, look, this is uh, this is a team that you know what the offensive upside is. You know what the offensive upside is with guys like Tyler O'Neill. You know what it is with guys like Dylan Carlson. But you're not seeing it. You're not seeing it right now. And that, uh, that to me, is a little bit scary for, for them. I thought that's how they were going to win this year, to be honest with you, Dan. Like, didn't that feel like they were going to be a team? And still can't. Gosh, I mean, it's a, a month into the season that just outscores the opposition. It doesn't feel like it's happening right now. No, and, and I thought when we saw the final two months of last season, the sense of urgency, and I, I think that's something that Ali hit on last night in, in talking about basically not having competitive at-bats, but when their backs were against the wall last year, they needed a 17-game winning streak to make it to postseason play, but in that run is when Tyler O'Neill emerged. Arenado was doing what he was doing. Goldie was doing what he's doing. Um, you had guys step up. Dylan Carlson was terrific down the stretch. But that has not carried over for some of these guys this year. So I thought it was really interesting, the comments last night. And and you know Ali, and we've been around him a bunch prior to him becoming the manager. He's very upfront, he's very direct, and he's very honest. I do think that fans appreciate that. And yesterday... You could tell he was not happy after the game, and they he was not happy with the approach. He was not happy with the at-bats. I think basically he was saying, hey, they weren't competitive at-bats, and he was right, and you had a kid come out there and shove and strike out 11, so you have to grind through the at-bats at this level. You know that better than anybody, and you're just not seeing that right now from the Cardinals' offense. Yeah, one of the things to me that's the most alarming, Dan, honestly, is the fact that and we talked about this yesterday during the broadcast is how many fastballs that yes. the Cardinals have just been letting go within the zone. And these are pitches that are drivable. I, just speaking from a pitcher's perspective, all I want you to do is let me get ahead of you. You let me get ahead of you, then I can go to work. So if you're going to give me a fastball for strike one and then I get to work off of that with my off speed, I feel really good about my chances. And I, see, I think you're seeing a little bit too much of that from everybody, top to bottom, even some of your better hitters, who I will give the benefit of the doubt to, a guy like Goldie. But Goldie has been letting some some go, you know, that I would love to see him pulling the trigger on as well. So to me, this is a it, it's it's not the uh, there's going to be mechanical adjustments throughout the year. We're going to get into Paul DeYoung, obviously, with the big news yesterday uh, of him getting sent down, all the adjustments that he's going to go through. But to me, this is just not being ready in situations for pitches. Like, it, it feels like, and I don't know if it is or not, and do a little bit more digging today as you kind of talk to some of the guys. Maybe it was a one-off yesterday, but it's been a little over a month now in the season. 
and the offense hasn't been there, it feels like a they're thinking too much through the process instead of just reacting to the pitch. That's what it feels like when you're watching. Yeah, I, I would agree. And let's dive into the De Young situation. They they just couldn't continue to have that black hole, if you will. And I hate saying that uh, and in the in the lineup with Paul De Young because we know it's there. He's done it before, but he hasn't done it now for basically two and a half seasons. And I was so encouraged coming out of spring training because he's hitting the ball to right he's hitting it to left he's hitting it to center he's hitting for some power he had the opposite field home run earlier this season against the Pirates that is Paul DeYoung but then something happened and he's not the player that he once was I give him all the credit in the world what he did defensively he's like a plus four I think defensive run saves there's only one other mm-hmm. player short that's been better in that regard but I think he is the last in Major League Baseball qualified OPS so when you look at that 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 can't sustain. You can't have that in your lineup and expect to win. And the Cardinals have to try to salvage something with that. They've got a lot of money this year dedicated to him, next year as well. And so he's got to try to right the ship. So Kramer Robertson comes up. It'll probably be a brief stint. Uh, Sosa was at Springfield yesterday. I think he had three hits. Um, gets another game tonight. Then you'll probably see him back uh, Thursday or Friday. So I, I, I don't know. What's happened with Paul? I, I don't know if it's between the ears. I don't know if it's mechanical. It's probably a little bit of everything, but it's really unfortunate. But the, the bottom line is here, Brad, if you're the Cardinals, that's not sustainable. You can't keep rolling that out no matter how great the defense is. No, you talk about a black hole. Well, the shortstop position. So it's mainly Paul DeYoung, but that had some Sosa sprinkled into it as well. You had the least offensive output in all of baseball. So, I mean, that that wasn't going to shake. Now, Maybe, maybe you get away with it with the defense that he's playing. If other guys, aforementioned players, step up, like we were talking about, Tyler O'Neill, need more, man, need a lot more out of Tyler O'Neill, need more out of Dylan Carlson. And we've seen him heat up a little bit here in the, at least during May. Maybe you get away with it then, but I, I'm still not even sure if that ends up being the case with, with, with the way that he's been going. So the, the hope is you send him down and you give him the opportunity to breathe. Just go relax, like go, go play. And I know Ollie had something I found it kind of interesting. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was essentially he's got so many voices in, in his in his ear. We need to simplify that. Like, and this is an opportunity to get away and go simplify. Because you know how it is when you're when you're struggling. This guy tells you this, and you should do your this with your hands, and you should be thinking of this, and you should do this. And if you're struggling, you want to listen to everybody because you want to get right. You want to figure out what's that one thing that's going to make me end up working. You can't piece all these things together, yeah. especially if you're getting differences of opinions. He's got his swing guru in Florida. He's got, you know, Jeff Albert. He, he's got a, you know, he's got all these different pieces. I know last year he reached out to Ryan Ludwig. I mean, who knows? Like who knows where he's getting uh, in, information and where he's trying to seek help. It's difficult. It's difficult piecing it all together. I hope he can just relax down there and go do it. I believe he's going to start on Thursday in his first game. Yeah. One of the guys, though, that – and really there's two that uh, have impressed me, and one is an obvious choice in, in Juan Yepes, and he just continues to hit. Had another base hit last night. Takes competitive at-bats. Was hit by a pitch, so he's on base twice. And then uh, Brendan Donovan getting his first started short. Now, you could tell defensively – it's a drop-off from where you are with DeYoung or Sosa. However, fills in, it's uh, it's good enough to play, and if he hits, he stays. So those two guys, man, is in particular, Yepes, I'm excited about, and uh, I know fans are clamoring for Nolan Gorman, and I get it, but 
I think you give Sosa a little run when he comes back, and then if it doesn't work, you've exhausted a lot of your options that you had. Then you got to start getting creative. Does that mean that Tommy goes to short, Nolan Gorman comes up, and you give him that run? Maybe. But uh, this is a big stretch of baseball coming up for Edmundo Sosa. This is his chance to show what he can do. So that trio of guys are critical right now for the St. Louis Cardinals. They are, man. The And the decision in the game yesterday, and I would assume more of the same today, to play Donovan at short as opposed to moving Tommy Edmund over tells you everything you need to know about how they feel about Tommy at second base, doesn't it? How important that guy 100%, 100%. is. 100%. So, well, I'll that, tell you, that hey, me, Brad, yesterday I'm doing a season ticket holder event, and John Mosaloc a lot of times will – he addresses the crowd, but he'll ask them questions. Like, you know, forever he was saying – do you guys like the DH? Do you don't like the DH? Before it was, you know, a couple of years ago, people boo, yay, you know, whatever. Do you want Albert back? Do you not want Albert back? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yesterday he said, and this sums it up, he said, uh, and this is his thinking, obviously. He said, if if the All-Star game was today, who's your starting second baseman for the National League? Tommy Edmond. He said, well, who's the, the starter at short? He said, not Tommy Edmond. He said he, he probably wouldn't be the starting shortstop. He said, so I, I'm not so sure that we want to, you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase myself here, but Rob Peter to pay Paul. You know what I mean? So you, you got to move him and put him in a lesser spot defensively. And don't think for a second that there's not a lot of responsibilities that go along with that. And you start thinking, you start taking that maybe to at bats because you're thinking about what you have to do defensively. If everything goes to plan, I think you just keep Edmund where he's at because he's so good defensively, and this is where this team is built on on their defense. So I, I, I just I, – I understand that they may have to do it. I would just exhaust all options before they have to move Tommy Edmund. I'm with you. The only pushback that I would have, and I, and I think that fans probably have, if that ends up being the case, then what is the what is the path for Nolan Gorman then? Because yeah. if they if he continues to hit, he continues to force the hand, but they say that he needs to play every day when he gets up, how comfortable are they putting him in as a DH? How comfortable are they with Nolan Gorman bouncing him around and going from position to position? Like, how does that work on on their end? That's that's something that that I really wonder because uh, if you're if you're needing offense and something doesn't solidify itself at the shortstop position, then what do you do? Like, how how do you combat that? I'm I'm with you, and right now. You know, Kramer Robertson came up. By the way, he was playing third base primarily at Memphis, and they've had a rotation of guys at shortstop. Evan Mendoza's been there. Kramer Robertson's played a little bit. Uh, but there's not like that answer to come up and play short, and that's why you have the situation going on right now with what they're doing. I'm curious, what are you seeing right now with Tyler O'Neill? I know you're a pitcher, but you've been around the game forever. I'm just curious what you're seeing right now with O'Neill. See a guy that's pitchable, honestly. Like right now, last year he did such a good job of making adjustments with off-speed pitches that he got to the point where you're almost doing him a favor by flicking him a breaking ball in the zone. This year he's getting pitched tougher. Obviously, you hit 34 home runs, you're going to get pitched tough, right? That ends up happening. But the thing is, when when you watch him getting pitched tough, he's he's pulling off of stuff. He's getting a lot of breaking balls, not getting as many fastballs in the zone that he can turn around, but he's pulling off. He's just that you see the hip and the front shoulder just pulling away and it's not a recipe for success. I thought we were seeing some signs of life uh, against the the Diamondbacks was spraying the ball around, had a couple of sack flies, 
and then you just see him get right back to it. It's just a small mechanical adjustment. I was going back. I was watching his at-bats from last year, and then I was watching his at-bats this year, like side-by-side. Everything in his setup looks the same. He does the double toe tap, and he gets himself closed, but it's right when that swing is starting, he opens up. You're going to exploit that as a pitcher. When you see somebody pulling off of the ball, you're going to continue to throw him his, the off-speed away because you know he's going to try to pull that, and that makes him roll over or weak fly balls. I also don't see – I went back and looked at it too. Look at his hands. Do you see a load? You know what I mean? So when we're if you're listening now, we're trying to say that you, you do different things to try to get your hands back and then explode into the ball. I don't see that. So I just kind of see him from where he's at in his setup and then trying to go straight to the ball, but no load, not taking it back a little bit and then exploding into the ball. Do you see that too? Well, that's timing, right? And yeah, and maybe that's something where he's really trying to simplify it and thinking that is that actually benefiting him to be faster to the ball. But if you have your timing, if you get that low and you get your hands back and able to drive through the baseball, well, that creates a little bit more, maybe with those slow hands, because it works for some guys, or not slow, but but uh, less movement in the hands. Kisner is a good example, right? Kisner kind of got rid of that big load. He put the hands a little bit lower, and you watch how fast his hands are, but sometimes you need a little bit of that timing. And the thing is, it was a slow start for O'Neill last year. The first month wasn't a crazy hot one. You mentioned the last couple of months where it really heated up. There's time, but you really need this offense to start clicking. How much different is it if O'Neill is doing O'Neill things? If Carlson is doing Carlson things, if the young were swinging it, this should be one of the best offenses in the league, Dan. And when you look, they're middle of the pack at best in pretty much everything. When you look into the, the stat cast stuff, not good, man. Like, no. like this offense, they're not hitting the ball hard. The exit below is not there. The barrel rates, they're popping up a ton, but they're not getting anything to, to show for it. Like the, the all of the things that they say that they, they look at as an organization, they're struggling with. So you know, how do those changes get made throughout a season? I believe that the talent is there. I believe in this roster. I really do, specifically the, the offense. But at, at some point, something's got to shift. And I, I don't know exactly what that is because it, it gets tough for a team every night to just say, wow, that guy was tough. You know, yeah, he was tough. It's the big leagues. Everybody's going to be tough. What adjustments do you end up making as an offense? I thought that Kyle Bradish last night, he was really good. But he also threw you a lot of fastballs early up in the count. And then all he wanted to do was be able to get to his breaking ball to finish you off. And you let him do that. Yeah. So, you know, how how do you start making those adjustments quicker? And a lot of times the answer is going to be, Dan, all right, we got to dig in more. We got to do more research. We got to figure out what his tendencies are and what he's doing. Maybe not. Maybe you simplify it. By the way, uh, this has been a tough podcast. A lot of negativity here, Brad. Um, yeah, this team's actually winning, too. They're winning right. games. That's the messed up thing. Um, I, I Two of my favorite moments so far this year is Yachty stealing a base, and as he's stealing, oh he's laughing and smiling halfway down to second. And then last night, he kept looking behind him to make sure that he wouldn't get doubled up by, by a Bader who was flying around the bases. Um, those are two of my favorite moments so far this year. Hey, isn't Yachty just feels different this yep. year. So happy. You know, you know him and Wayne, right? How close they are. And then you bring Albert back into the fold. And seriously, he's like a big kid. He's just, he's always smiling, having fun. He's engaging more with a little bit of everybody. It's been so good for him. And those, that was a moment last night. Again, you talk about the, uh, the starter for the Orioles. He was cruising along. Everything was good to go. Yachty got things started, got a leadoff double. And you needed something to happen. And Harrison hits that ball off the wall. Yachty has to play it close. It left field, center field, Mullins converging on the ball. 
didn't know if it was going to get caught, so he's retreating to the bag. Harrison is flying right behind him, and he was looking. Yachty's looking rear view the entire <laughs> way with a big old smile on his face. That was good to see. And uh, Yachty just shifting to him for a second. Offensively, as we talk about some of the struggles of some guys, Yachty looks like he's right where he needs to be. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, if you're if you're Ollie, and even if it's a right-hander um, on the mound, do you start going with Albert a little bit? Do you, do you try to find – so Yepes maybe plays left field and uh, or right, depending on, on the matchup, and uh, the, one of those guys has to sit if they're not producing. And do you start to give Albert a run, or am I reaching here? Man, I so the numbers still aren't there for Albert I know. against the righties, though. Like, so – uh, if I'm not afraid to mix and match, certainly if I'm Ollie, if there's something where I still think that even though it's a, you know, it's a right hander, if it fits the profile of a guy, that's not a really hard thrower that I think that Albert could have some success on. I'm not scared to put Juan Yepes in a corner outfield. Me neither. I like, it, it doesn't bother me. Cause right now I, I need my infield to be really tight. I, especially like tonight's a good example. Miles Michaelis on the mound. You know how much weak contact that dude gets, how many little ground balls are all over the infield. I want that tight. But my corner outfield, as, as much as I love gold gloves everywhere, I am willing to sacrifice a little bit of that to provide some offense. So if Juan Yepes is in a corner, I'd be okay with that. I still think at this point, though, I want to set Albert up against lefties. I want to give him the best advantage. The emergence of Juan Yepes really should take at-bats away from Albert, the, the way that he is swinging. And he's got good uh, platoon splits, both left and right throughout the minor leagues and so far so good at the big league level. But I, I don't know. You, you would, though? You'd throw him in there a little bit more? I, I'd shake things up um, because I, I don't think that you can wait like they did last year as long as they did on both fronts um, with their pitching and trying to find guys that throw strikes and then hopeful being hopeful with the offense. I don't think Ollie is like that either. I think he is going to say, hey, this isn't good enough. You're going to sit. And – even the threat of Albert, I know we keep talking about that, is still a threat. But, again, if it's a right-hander, like the guy last night, Bradish would not have been a good matchup for Albert. But if I feel, like you said, that it's a not as uh, not the 96 to 100 guy out there, yeah, I'm going to start doing it because I'm going to shake it up. And um, because I don't think you can wait, Brad. I just yeah. don't think you can wait like you did last year. And he also is still a threat. So that's something that I think maybe you think about. Here's the other thing. Miles is going tonight. By the way, where would this team be without Miles Michaelis? We were hopeful that he would get back to where he was a couple of years ago. He's better than he was a couple of years ago. And from a, and I'll wrap it up with this. From a pitcher's perspective, so he's got an extra day rest. They, they went with the bullpen start yesterday, bullpen game. Um, what is that like when you have that extra day rest? Like, take us into the body of a pitcher, and you're you're accustomed to going every fifth day, but now all of a sudden you get that one day rest. What's that do for you? It's, uh, truthfully, oftentimes you don't want it, exactly, and that that ends up happening because you are so you you're so used to your routine, you're used to the day in and day out. I, I lift upper body on this day. I do cardio here. I do upper body. Like you have this this ironed out. But you also realize that you need to be ready for 32 starts on a given season. And anytime you could build in some rest, you should take advantage of it. So I think they did the right thing by going with a bullpen day yesterday. Adam Wainwright had not cleared the COVID protocols yet. Fingers crossed on that news that we hear something positive soon. Well, negative, I guess, soon. Yes. uh, When it comes to Adam Wainwright. Very difficult 
uh, terminology when you're talking about COVID. Yeah. Anyways, good news. We're looking for good news with him. But uh, I, I think it's a smart thing, but you just got to let the guy know ahead of time. And that was the case. Like Miles knew that he was going to be having that extra day rest. So he's able to tailor make his routine. And this is a guy. He's got himself figured out. He knows what he needs. He, he knows, you know, his body really, really well. I love the fact that we see Miles make so many adjustments quickly on the fly. Like if he throws a bad pitch, boy, the next one, he makes a quick mechanical adjustment and he's right back in it. He's one of the best starters in baseball right now. Look at the way that he attacks, the, the fact that he can throw a slider and his curveball as well as he does. If he gets behind the count, he's always got one of those in his back pocket. I've really enjoyed watching him, and you've needed it because, in, in fairness, Matz has had a really rough start so far in his career. It's been, it's been feast or famine for him. Stephen Matz has, has had great ones or he's had some, some bad ones. You've needed, you've needed Miles Michaelis to do what he's doing. I'm encouraged by Dakota Hudson, what he's doing. You know, you'd like to see him in the strike zone a little bit more than he is. The walks are high. You knew that coming in. He's kind of been that guy. But you're still getting some innings, some length out of him. He's utilizing the defense behind him. But Miles Michaelis, this is more than just a luxury item. He's a necessity. We've talked about that in the past. And it continues to come to fruition. So I look forward to him giving the Cardinals a good opportunity tonight. It's against uh, Spencer Watkins of the uh, of the Baltimore Orioles, a guy, uh, not a young guy necessarily, almost 30 years old, but very limited in his major league experience as he had a handful of games in the last year. So uh, I like the Cardinals' chances, but it comes down to offensively, man. What do you get going? Do you get cranking yep. early in this ball game, or do you not? All right, buddy, thank you, and um, love doing these with you, by the way. These are a lot of fun. And uh, we'll catch up down at Bush Stadium. I can't wait. What we got? A couple hours, and we'll we'll hang out. Yeah. How about that? And then we get to talk baseball and get paid to do it. It's a pretty good deal. It ain't. It ain't that bad. Be totally honest with you. Unless my fast. It, it, it's a grind. <laughs> That's Brad Thompson. I'm Danny Mack, and this is 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.